0: GalaxyCon Live is the place for you to hear about fandom from the celebrities who bring geek culture to life. Welcome, friends and fans, to another edition of GalaxyCon Live, where we are bringing the convention experience directly to you. And today, we are going back to the Blues House and beyond with a very special guest. So without further ado, our guest today is an actor, director, writer, and musical artist whose body of work includes Christmas on Mars, The Professional, and Young Sheldon. Today, he joins us to discuss this wonderful career, as well as the role that made him a friend to an entire generation as the human host of Blue's Clues for several seasons, specials, and his return to the series both in front and behind the camera, all during which he never forgot you. Please welcome Mr. Steve Burns.
1: Hey, hello. Hello, hey, everyone. Hey. How you
0: doing? <clears throat> I'm doing well. and I'm sure they're doing well, too. Awesome. <laughs> Steve, how you doing, boss?
1: I'm doing great, man. It's a beautiful morning here. I'm in uh, Fort Worth, Texas, and it's about 55, 60 degrees, which is lovely. Where I live, it's negative seven, so I'm very excited. I'm excited to do this.
0: I'm in Orlando, so I think I'm on the same latitude as you, so I've got about that same uh, right now here, which for Floridians is absolute freezing and everything else. Yeah,
1: well, for me, it's bliss.
0: Ah, indeed, indeed. Well, Steve, welcome to the GalaxyCon virtual stage. Absolute pleasure to have you here today. Our team is going through the chat room right now, pulling out the questions for you. In the meantime, if you like, for those of you, those in your audience that may not know, let's just go back to the beginning. How did, how did this experience begin for you?
1: How did Blue's Clues start for me? Yep. Well, I was just in uh, New York City. I was in my first semester of my sophomore year in college. So I was very young and I won an acting award. And because of that, I had some minor interest in, from some agents and managers in New York City, and I figured I'd go give it a shot. So I went up to New York City to be a gritty Al Pacino, Dustin Hoffman-style actor, and immediately became Steve from Blues Clues. It was. It was. I think it was in the first month that I was there. It was just an audition that I had, and I thought that it was a voice audition. I thought it was to be the voice of an animated character. Right. And when I got into the room, there was a camera there and I thought, oh boy, I better do something. And I just kind of had this idea that, you know, it, it was written very much more like a, almost like a game show in a way where it was like, which one is the triangle? Yeah. You guessed it. It's that one. Good job. But I just, I guess I'm, didn't interpret it that way. And I kind of made it much more personal where I was like, do you know which one? Oh, right. Good, right. Good job. I kind of, it kind of had that personal bot and kids really, really responded to that. But the cool thing is, the cool story is, is that I had long, I had hair. I had long hair at the time. I had a couple earrings mm-hmm. and uh, the, the creators of the show were like, okay, this works, but we can't put this dude on kids TV. And so they would like call me to be like, can you cut your hair? Do you own a nicer shirt? <laughs> but it was really the kids that.
0: Uh, I've got a green striped shirt that worked? <laughs> right?
1: No, that was that came much later. <clears throat> oh, I'm but, sure. Uh, I'm sure. But the kids, the kids. The legend goes that the kids are the one. They showed all these different auditions to kids, and the kids chose me. So there, there you go. There
0: you go. Yeah, absolutely. I had an actor buddy of mine who's our age, and I remember catching up with him and he's like yeah i'm down to like the final seven or eight for this new educational show with a vr character or a virtual character of some kind and then i said whatever happened to it uh, somebody else got it and then like months later i saw you and i saw you with blues i flipped around I was like that was the gig he was talking about who's oh, your friend? who's your friend he was a guy named tim gore Tim Corp, okay. Yeah, he's still around. He was a New York Act, And the weird thing is, is that you guys had the same sort of physicality, the black hair and the thinness and everything on else. And he he did well for himself. He went on and did, did tons of Shakespeare and he's oh, he's doing great.
1: That's, so he's no, doing I'd love everything. to talk to him, man. I'd love to talk to him. It's, it's interesting that he's a theater guy because Blue's Clues, from an acting standpoint, is very, it has very much that energy. That's very much, almost like a musical theater. energy. <clears throat>
0: Which, very much so, and I, I gotta say this right now, I don't think you've ever really gotten uh, the the proper uh, the proper acknowledgement for how hard of a gig that was. Especially Thank at you. the time, with everything on else, I mean, that's not, ask any TV weatherman what it is to work with a screen, just make sure you're pointing at the right cloud and everything else. You had to do a whole thing with that, and uh, yeah. uh, how, how long did it take to, you felt like you found your sea legs, so to speak, where you felt like, okay, now I know the marks, and where to point and all that.
1: You know, it's interesting. At first it was super hard and not just for me, certainly for me, but also for the directors and just for yeah. everyone. Because they were really looking at this as an animated show that there happened to be a guy on. And i we really kind of assumed it would be easy like a weatherman,
0: Yeah, but
1: it was not. Like if the bar of soap is doing this, right? and I'm talking to you, and I have to look at the bar of soap a couple times, I have to have that memorized in my mind when that's happening. And now, you know, there are all sorts of ways to approximate things on a blue screen or a green screen. But then we were just doing it down and dirty. I didn't even have marks. You know, I didn't have props. You know, it was just me basically in what felt like the bottom of a swimming pool. And often I would run up to camera and I'd be like, Hey, and if I was here, it was right. But if I was here, it was wrong. Yeah. You know, and it was really hard. But the good news is, is by about the third season, we, we had all worked together so much that we, we just developed like a matrix, like sixth sense for it. And we just kind of got it. A lot of that acting on a green screen stuff is, is easier than you think it is. But some of it is infinitely harder than you could ever imagine. Yeah, you know, the new guy, the new guy who's on the reboot, Josh, is like Neo. He's so good at it. He just walked in and knew how to do it, and no one understands why. But he just Donovan and I, the guy who played Joe, and I struggled. But uh, the new guy just knows, understands how to do it. So
0: there you go. That, that's got the knack for it. When um going to the third season stuff like that. Going back a little bit, at what point did you realize that not only the show maybe had uh, done well enough to get renewed, but maybe it might have exceeded everybody's expectations, including your own? Right away. Right.
1: Uh, like, immediately. I don't know if people understand how this kind of stuff usually works, but what you do first when you make a TV show is you do a pilot, right? Which is really the show itself auditioning to yes. be a show, right? So that's what I, as an actor, that's what I, the job I thought I had, is I did this pilot. It's this experiment. And I thought it was so weird and so bizarre. Like, it was this interactive, anti-TV, educational TV show. I called it the Rocky Horror Children's Show. (laughs) Ha! And I was like, man, this is so out there and brilliant. The people who created that show are brilliant, Angela Santamero, and, and they're just the brilliant educational minds, and I just thought it was, in a way, I thought it was too smart to work, and I was like, this isn't yeah. going to, the kids are not going to think that I can hear them, and that they are showing me which one the graham crackers are, that's not going to happen, Right. but not only did it happen, it happened, like, insane, so I shot the pilot, and it just kind of went away for, I almost eight months or something. And I kind of forgot that I did that. Right. And then I remember they kind of called me and said, by the way, we've tested the pilot and it did like crazy well, really well. So it's going to go to air. I thought, Oh, Oh, does that mean? Oh, so this is happening. And then it went, they aired the pilot and it immediately was like the number one thing. Right. So the first episode immediately just went boom. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was it was like something I almost forgot about. And then it was just something that exploded. There was nothing in between.
0: It's always the ones that you just do a one and done and walk away from. And then, yeah, you get that call a few months later saying, come on back, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And what's really interesting about that, too, something I was talking with some people about last night is. I mean, it got for a kid show, it got really big, right? We were number one for a while there. We were doing better than Sesame Street, which I still can't get my head around. And we were in all these countries in South America and Australia, and it was number one all over the world. But to me, it was a tiny little thing that I did in a little room that was all painted blue. And it was just me and a group of friends in one camera. And I would just talk to this camera all day. And it To this day, my experience of Blue's Clues feels very small and very personal and very almost intimate. You know, it's difficult for me to sometimes step outside of that and kind of get my arms around the effect that that show had and the number of people who watched it is uh, actually probably harder for me to understand than anyone else,
0: in a way. No, I, I, I totally appreciate that perspective. Again... From yours, from your side of the camera at the time. And speaking of, you've returned to the role behind the camera. you've uh, done some direction work and stuff like that. What was that like, uh, coming back and and kind of perhaps being a mentor to uh, some people who are new to the experience?
1: I knew they were doing a reboot, and they kind of said, you know, do you want do you want to be in it? And I was like, no, no. And you know, did you, did you ever see Rambo two?
0: Yeah, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> right. It's, not, it's not
0: First Blood, but yeah. yeah.
1: No, First Blood is a whole other level. Yes. But anyway, but there's a scene, I don't know, it might be Rambo 3. It's one of those terrible movies where it's, it opens and John Rambo is like at, at the edge of the earth somewhere. He's like he's in like Tibet building a Buddhist temple. He's like carving stones, you know. That's three. Okay, thank you. And no,
0: no, I take, no, you're right. It is too. It is too. Sorry. I'm,
1: and yeah. Colonel, whoever shows up and, he, and he's like, John, we need you to come back in. And he's like, I don't do that anymore. And he's like, no, John, you're the only one who knows how to do this. You got to come back in. We need you, John. You got to come back in. He's like, all right. That's how it was. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I, at that time I lived, I live in an off grid cabin in upstate New York. That's real, you know? Yeah. And they were like, do you want to do this? And I was, kind of being coy about it, but of course I wanted to do it. And, And it was such a joy. It was such a joy, like being part of the audition process and just sort of staying back, but also like kind of whispering, like, hey, you know, try it this way. And when we found Josh, when we found the new guy, they kind of asked me what I thought. And I was like, he could start work tomorrow, you know? He could do this tomorrow like he already knew how to do it and he is much different than i am in that he always wanted to do kids tv he it was always a thing for him and he is just so gifted and i kind of was yoda for him to his skywalker because i'm shorter balder older and greener and i just kind of you know i gave him my recipe and said this is how i did it and you know you find your own voice and and working with him is just such a pleasure. And now, my great pleasure on Blue's Clues, I enjoy the directing, but I really like the writing. I really enjoy writing for that show. And, and I write myself into episodes because I don't want people to forget where this all started, you know? <laughs> but I'll tend to write myself in where it's like, then Steve shows up and eats some cookies and leaves. <laughs> <There you laughs> and my, my true my true most favorite thing about still being on Blue's Clues is getting to work with Donovan Patton, who played Joe. We get along famously, and we just love hanging out. So whenever I write an episode of Blue's Clues, the last page is always, the answer to Blue's Clues is always Joe. Mm -hmm. And I wrote an episode where it was like, uh, it was a magic episode. And the idea is we would pull a rabbit out of the hat. And it's like, why can't we pull Joe out of the hat? You know, so he showed up just for one day to be like oh hey what are you guys doing cool you know and <laughs> so then I got to hang out with him for a weekend <laughs> so the, the, the short answer is we have a great time and it is such a joy to be a part of the show now because I don't have any real responsibilities on camera you know I get to just be second yeah. banana and uh, it's just such a joy to to participate in something that has been multi-generational like that yeah. I love it Absolutely, absolutely,
0: and you're also you also have a musical career, as anyone who's watched Young Sheldon knows uh, from the opening credits. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: The musical, the the musical aspect of my life is, I, I think, kind of the biggest surprise of my life. I've always been a guy with a guitar, you know. I've always been in bands and stuff, and, but what I really like about music is writing it. I really like bashing away on a laptop and, and doing the production yeah. of it that's what that's what the real sweet addiction is for me with music and uh right around the time I was in my last season of blues clues is when i started to take that hobby a little bit more seriously and i got pro tools and i you know was really starting to kind of like oh wow this is a whole other environment that is so much fun to be in yeah and i was really my aesthetic got rearranged by an album. That's only happened a couple times in my life. There's Hunky Dory by David Bowie, The Unforgettable Fire by U2, and The Soft Bulletin by a band called The Flaming Lips. And that record broke me out. And so I was like, ah, that's, I wanna write music like this. So I was trying to sound like them and I happened to know someone who knew their producer. And I pulled some strings and got the guy an embarrassing demo of mine. And uh, he called me back and uh, he's like, Are you the blues clothes dude? I said, Yeah. And he said, Wow. You know, I only listened to this to make fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, Some of it's good. You know, is this all yours? And I was like, Yeah. He's like, Well, do you want to work on it? Is that why you sent it to me? I like, Yeah, I'd love to just for fun, like polish three songs with you. And so I went up to his studio. To, to do that and at that time the Flaming Lips I was sharing studio space with the Flaming Lips who were working on Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots yeah. and it was like all of my dreams were coming true in in one weekend there because we immediately became really good friends those are some of the nicest people I've ever met and just hard working people and and I became really tight with the guy who plays all the instruments in the band a guy named Steven Droz and he was like some of those songs are really bad, <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, Those two are kind of good. I have an idea for a drum part for that, would you mind? And I was like, By all means, and so then he started playing, and then it was like, He was like, Why don't we just do a whole record like this? And we did, and then they took wow. me on tour with them, but that was all a long time ago, and I was very bad live. But, but that record came out pretty well, yeah. and nobody bought it, but it got good reviews, right? So a guy named Steve Malaro, who used to work at Nickelodeon, was a Flaming Lips fan, and heard that record. And I had no idea. I think it was just him and my mother who had bought that record. And he loved it. He went on to be the showrunner for The Big Bang Theory and to create Young Sheldon. And he was looking for a theme song for Young Sheldon. And he couldn't really find one. And his son, Matthew, was like, hey, Dad, And his son cut the opening track of my album into the opening credits of Young Sheldon and showed it to his dad. He was like, done. So they called me and I went to L.A. and we re-recorded it and it was a dream come true. And since then, I've been on the show a couple of times. Yeah. It's been just such a magical surprise in my life.
0: Absolutely. Well, Steve, we're going to go on audience questions. Before that, I just want to say this, boss. Again, it's been it's been a wild and wooly uh, career for you. But as I said before, man, I, I, I so respect what you did, blazing that ground in this thing and, and what the show meant to uh, so many of, of my friend's kids growing up and that specialist to them. And again, educational and entertaining and the gentleness you brought to it. So I thank you for your talents. I thank you for your professionalism and I thank you for the performance that you brought to that role, Matt.
1: Thank you, Patty. That was very nice. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yes. It deeds well.
0: And let's go ahead and roll our first question from our audience. And this one comes from Jake. Ha, what's your funniest moment while doing or working on the show?
1: Oh, there was always great humor when I would have to sing the male song because it involved landing on a certain beat, right? I'll try to do it here. I would have to like, here's the mail. And I would mess that up every time. And if you could see it from far away, I would try to figure out how to land. So I would be like 30 feet away, running in and landing and missing the beat. And that was always a lot of fun. Just the bloopers, just, you know, you go crazy, you know, doing, The same, I was in every take of every shot every day for every season. And, you know, we would just go nuts. And we would just have a lot of hate like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Look at that. Man, those pants were just crazy.
0: I think the pants date the 90s more than the tops.
1: I think those pants, I suspect that those pants were extreme, even for the 90s. When they handed me, I'm going to call them pantaloons from now on, when they handed me those pantaloons I was like why this many pleats why what what are we gaining from the pleat density of these pants I'm gonna say those pants were the funniest part of those clothes.
0: I always call pants like that fire hazards <laughs> yeah because <laughs> they were so wide <laughs> and you couldn't get you couldn't even get through some doors you had to get sideways hey <laughs> So, uh, well, Jake, great question to start us off with. Thank you. Hey, so if Steve had to wear a different color shirt other than green, what color would that be?
1: Well, my favorite color before Blue's Clues was blue, but now it's green. I'm a little jealous, I won't lie, Kaya, of Josh's outfit. I'm not jealous of Joe's outfit because his, his sweater is just as goofy as mine was. <laughs> but Josh's outfit's cool, really cool. Like, I would want that. Yeah. I would want to wear what he wears. But here's a little um here's a little tidbit for you Kaya. Tracy Page Johnson who drew all of Blue's clothes. She drew blue, she drew the whole thing. She's the voice of Blue, she's one of the creators of the show. She came up with my outfit. And when we were she knew she wanted it to be striped because of a kid show that she liked as a kid called Zoom, which was one that I liked as a kid. Zoom-a,
0: zoom-a, zoom-a, zoom 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 zoom.
1: And she was thinking Zoom, and then she was thinking what colors, and she based those colors on fruit stripe gum. She literally was like, "Ah, we'll just do it like this." And that was like the lime flavor of fruit stripe gum plus Zoom equals my indelible wardrobe.
0: There you have it, Kaya. Thank you. Fun one. Fruit stripe gum. You take take two bites of it, and you sucked all the juice out, and you spat it out, and you put in another one.
1: Correct. Brilliant business model.
0: Yes. <laughs> what's next? <clears throat> For Rachel, what's the biggest similarity between you and the character of Steve?
1: Oh, Rachel, that's a great question. I too have difficulty discerning between shapes and colors. No. You know, I don't want to get too inside baseball about it, but the way I did Steve, the way like I made that character, was like based on two things. Like a sense of wonder. Like he was very, ooh, wow like very sincerely excited and curious about things. And that also had underneath it a vulnerability, right? So he was like super excited. And then he was also a little like nervous that, you know, when he said, you know, will you help me? He was like, what if you said no? You know, so those two things I tried to, as cartoony as they were, I tried to ground them in a real part of myself, if that makes sense. So, you know, the, the part of me that is that is goofy and mischievous and one and, and wonders excitedly about the world is real. Yeah. And the insecurity is is real too. I mean we all have that, right? So so I, I think that those two main elements of what Steve was are are from very real parts of me.
0: Yeah. There you go rachel great question thank great you great question rachel great. yeah and what's next from madison did you get to keep any props from blues clues
1: yeah madison i just took them <laughs> <laughs> i was like i'll take two of these shirts thank you and i definitely got a notebook they gave me a notebook it's one of my favorite items in the world they gave me the original handy dandy notebook with the first three clues and they all signed it and wrote little notes to me and on my 25th birthday, they retired the very first thinking chair because it broke. Oh. And they gave that to me. I still have that. And it is, it's pretty beat up because all of my friend's kids have sat in it and destroyed it. And then it became my dog's favorite place to be. Mm. And I couldn't kick him off of it. you know. So it's pretty beat up, but I still use it. It's where I read books, actually. It's a really great place to read books. It's not super comfortable though. If you're sitting in it like a throne, it's kind of bad. But if you like, if you do the leg over
0: it kind of curl up, yeah, then it's perfect. (laughs) The the Captain Jack Sparrow pose. Yes,
1: yes, you have to Jack Sparrow exactly.
0: There you go. Madison, great question. And thank you for phrasing it in the way that I didn't have to phrase it. Houston, we get that question. It's like, did you take anything from the set?
1: I and did. I'm- I also stole things from the set. Correct.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I always say, like, do you found yourself in possession of anything from the set? <laughs> <laughs> thank you again, Madison. What's next? <clears throat> from Sharon, any mm-hmm. chance you release more music in the future? And uh, she loves your album song for Dust Mites?
1: Sharon, thank you so much. I think there will be much more me being involved in music generally in the future. I don't know that I will make, I haven't written any like music for adults in a while. I'd made a record with a children's album with Steven Droz from the Flaming Lips called For Everywhere that you can find that I'm actually really, really, really proud of. I think it's, I think there are moments of that that are much, much better than that songs for Dustmite's album. So you can check that out if you haven't. But I haven't written much, I haven't done much actual songwriting in a couple of years. My creative energy has gone other 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 places. But who knows, you know? Who knows? I still practice guitar. I'm a better guitar player than I've ever been. But I don't, and that's still not good at all. But but I haven't been writing so much. So I don't know. Who knows?
0: <clears throat> well, you've been you've been keeping busy. It's all good. Thank you, Sharon. Great question. Hey, what's next? From Nadia, were there any shows that uh, you have grown up
1: watching? Yeah, sure. You know, I was, I was a Sesame Street fan, for sure. And my mom swears that I loved Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which makes sense. I, don't re- I remember watching a lot of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, but I don't remember that being my favorite show. But she swears that I would sit there and just watch. Blue's Clues is note for note, an homage to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood he had the sweater in every episode, that's why I wore the same shirt in every episode. The skidoo that we would do in Blue's Clues is very much like the trolley into the land of make believe. Yeah, There's a lot, it's it's an homage in, in many, many ways. But I was, I remember loving Sesame, and especially what I realize now are Frank Oz's characters on Sesame Street. Grover, Bert, and it's occurred to me as a children's media professional that, you know, those are the characters that are broken, right? There's yeah. something broken about Bert and Grover. They fail at things and they, yeah. they're deliberately imperfect in a way that Barney isn't. You know, I mean, there's yeah. a distinction there. And, and that's very much what I always gravitated as a kid. I enjoyed those characters a lot. And I tried to bring a lot of that sort of human... Imperfection to Steve, right? I always used to say yeah. on set, Steve is more Bert than Ernie. You know, I don't think anyone really got that, but it made sense to me. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I could see that. I could totally see that. Uh, yeah, I think I I gravitated towards the Electric Company.
1: Oh, and I forgot about the Electric Company. I love the Electric Electric Company because uh, Sesame
0: Street. Yeah, Sesame Street was something that we wa- we were and Mister Rogers. think was something we were absorbed by Electric Company. Went a little bit okay. We're okay. older kids. We're gonna push the entertainment up just a notch to yeah. get them engaged because they knew it was it was a race with the psyche and all that stuff else too. So
1: yeah, I mean but, both the, those shows were were. There's a lot of overlap on those shows. They were both magazine format shows that were yeah. segmented, musical, curricular kind of things. Electric Company was deliberately cooler. I think they just kind of took the the parody skit thing that Sesame Street was doing. Yeah. And, kicked it up a
0: notch <clears throat> yeah absolutely nadia great question thank you for that and steve mentioned uh, sesame street and the great frank oz we will be hosting a sesame street event tomorrow with mr frank oz himself and several other muppeteers and live actors from the show what yeah
1: i'm gonna go to that
0: <clears throat> yeah t- <laughs> yeah tomorrow at uh, four o'clock
1: frank oz you're the you're an absolute living genius
0: absolutely absolutely so and but we got a genius right here so let's see how we go through with these questions rolling for you young man ah from dante hmm, do you have a favorite episode from the show and i'll say do you have one of your favorites
1: okay well there's an episode where i go into outer space in my pajamas and i sing a song with the sun i like that one there's an episode where i am the world's worst superhero Stripe man That was fun. There's also an episode where I really like the early episodes where it's just goofy and fun storytelling where I get to be the big bad wolf was a was a fun episode. I like the episode where I was a dinosaur. Stevosaurus Rex stands out. I have favorite moments. Favorite episodes is a little harder, you know because they all kind of blend in. There's episodes I'm very proud of. I'm very proud of the episode with Marlene Matlin where we really leaned into American Sign Language for the first time, yeah. which became kind of a formal feature of the show. And a real highlight for me for Blue's Clues was we did a big musical and I got to work with Ray Charles. And that was kind of epic and mind blowing. So those are some highlights. It's hard for me to find, a, to identify a favorite episode.
0: Yeah, ah, that's fair. That's fair. And there you go, Dante. Still a great question. Thank you. What's next? Servo James. Hmm, do you have a favorite song that you've written and sung?
1: Yeah. My favorite song that I personally wrote and ever sang yeah. is a song called Tropos. My favorite song from Blues Clues. Oh, man, there's so many. The guys who wrote most of the music for Blues Clues were also the guys who played Mailbox and Mr. Salt, hmm. Michael Rubin and uh, Nick Balaban. And they were musical geniuses and they wrote me some incredibly good songs and they had a tough job yeah because i can't sing <laughs> <laughs> i think it must be really fun to write for josh dela cruz cuz he's like a broadway singer but i can't sing and so they would they would write all these songs and then have to like find a way to get them in my voice you know but i really like the male song i think that's a pretty good one it's hard to beat that. But there are some songs. He wrote me a song about my bed. It's like a Sleepy Time song Yeah. that I thought was really beautiful and brilliant. There's a song, something song I really like called I'm So Happy You Are Here. It goes, Maybe it's the way you ring the bell That makes me want to yell Come on in How are you, my friend? It's got kind of like this Maybe it's the way you sing along yeah. I really like that one. But if I had to pick one from Blue's Clues, it would be the male song. There you go.
0: The male, that's a fading concept among uh, young the youth today, but still there. <laughs>
1: right.
0: Thank you, James. What's next? From Jaden, who says, hi, Steve. <clears throat> What's a quote that sticks from you from the show even now?
1: If you use your mind and take a step at a time, you can do anything that you want to do. That is... I mean, we understand as adults that that's not literal, but the, the aspirational aspect of that, the empowering aspect of that is, and that, that is a, that's a notion that we are presented with throughout our lives in, in various ways, right? We're always told, follow your dreams, follow your bliss, work hard for your goals and things like that. That's one that I am conscious of, that I, am, that I remain mindful of. That's advice that I keep in my back pocket still. But the main lesson that I've learned from Steve in my personal life is not to be afraid to ask for help. Mm. You know, because that is hard to do, you know, but Steve did it. it. Will you help me? Great. That's hard. That's a lesson, you know? Yeah. And so those are the two things that I retained. Awesome.
0: Thank you, Jaden. Wonderful question. What's next? joshua what would you say to the adults who grew up with you and have children
1: now awesome great job way to go and thank you what i would say straight up is thank you so much for all your help i mean i mean that as steve from blues clues and steve burns at galaxy con you know like i owe all this to you guys and you know and i would also say legitimately sincerely how cool is it that we're still in conversation in some way 20 years later it feels kind of special to me and it feels rare and it feels really cool and i'm just really grateful that we're still chatting you know in some way
0: (laughs) well what what was the impetus for the the, the the video recently, the, the I Didn't Forget You.
1: You know, Blue's Clues turned 25, and so we were doing a bunch of promotional stuff around that, and I was directing a music video for that, and there was an ask, like, should Steve say something? And you know, I was like, yeah, but I want to write it. You know, I want to do a special message, I, and I want to talk to... I don't want to talk to the kids this time. You know, that's Josh's job. I want to talk to my people. Yeah. Right. I want to talk to to my friends. You know, I want to continue the conversation with my friends, authentically, in a way that makes us both feel, I like guess, seen, heard. You know, and I wanted to address. I just kind of disappeared, and it's and it's something I hear from from uh, from fans of the show all the time. Like, whoa, that was a big deal, and you just kind of left. You know. Yeah. So I wanted to address that and also talk about the time that we were in. And I didn't write it out, you know? I was just like, no, just, just go, just roll. I had wow. bullet points, yeah. and there's a producer on Blues Cruise that I trust enormously named Siobhan, and, and I was like, this is my idea, what do you think? And she was like, dude, just go do this. I was like, is it gonna work? She was like, go do it. So I just went out there and did it, and we only did two takes of that. In the first take, we had stopped because I cried. And and the second take, we did it, and then other people cried. I was like, maybe we have something here. None of us thought it was going to blow up and go, Anna's like that. But it was really a, the impetus for that was just to reconnect with uh, with the fans.
0: You didn't, uh, you did not break the internet. I think with that video, you paused it.
1: (laughs) It did go kind of bonkers, you know? I think they told me it was the largest internet hit that Viacom CBS has ever had. And it was particularly interesting to me because it, it happened in a in a place that is not preserving attention. It happened in a place that is about distracting attention. Yeah. Right. And that con- that video connected and in, in the engagement was not just entertaining. It was emotional. And yeah. it cut it cut through. You know, yeah. for whatever reason, it, it cut through.
0: Well, again, you spoke from the heart. You spoke from an absolute place of sincerity. And I think that absolutely showed. And that's always been about the show is the authenticity and sincerity.
1: Well, that's, yeah. I mean, Blue's Clues was uh, part of our mission was to always talk to the audience right where they're at, to meet them right where they're at and not be condescending. And so to scale that up, now we're adults it used to be shapes and colors. Now, now we're dealing with COVID-19 and student loans and, you know, we're still,
0: you gave your generation a a big chill moment.
1: I'm glad. And they, and, and they did that for me too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Joshua, thank you for that original question. I think we have time for one more. Let's see. We go out on a really fun one. So what have we got? Here's one from Chris. What's your favorite thing to draw in your handy dandy notebook?
1: Chris, I got a level with you. I did not draw the clues. Yeah, that's a hard job. That's a really hard job. Ooh. Oh. God, no. oh <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, you know, we're all grownups now. So I didn't draw, the- I tried. It's too hard. I mean, <laughs> Some of those clues were so difficult to do, you know? And I could do that, but we saved all the clue drawings to the very end of the shoot. And it was just like, okay, whatever time we had left over was how long you had to draw those clues. And so you, we had to have like professional illustrators and animators in there. Like, yeah, yeah. but they're all adorable. You know, every single one of those clues is adorable. I really liked the cow from the first episode. It was a really good-looking clue.
0: <laughs> well, there you have it, Chris. Hopefully we have not not uh, dashed your childhood hopes. <laughs> and, GalaxCon viewers, this has been my time with Steve Burns. Steve, this has been an absolute blast. Any final words before we take our leave? Not
1: not anything in particular, Patty. This was just so much fun, and I just want to uh, stress once again how really grateful I am to be able to talk to all my friends in this way 20 years later it just seems really cool and it just seems very special and it's something I'm very grateful for so thank you all so much for all your questions and thank you all so much for all your help
0: Steve it's been my absolute pleasure to serve you today once again thank you for joining us here on the GalaxyCon virtual stage thank you to our audience for joining us and thank you for those great questions Hope to see everybody again soon. Until then, bye-bye, everyone. Take care. And remember, smiles are free. Spend them often.